All Rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial with Frank Graney, a News Talk original podcast. Joseph Pushka has been found guilty of the murder of Ashleen Murphy. She was 23 and a school teacher. She was killed while out exercising along a canal path. The defendant of Lanali Grove, Mugla County Offaly, was mostly unmoved in the dock and had his head down as the verdict was delivered before the Central Criminal Court. Mr Justice Tony Hunt said he agreed with the jury's decision and is glad they didn't waste any more time with what he described as Pushka's nonsense. The judicial process cannot bring our darling Ashling back, but we are relieved that this verdict delivers justice. It is simply imperative that this vicious monster can never harm another woman again. On the afternoon of the 12th of January last year, Ashley Murphy, a 23-year-old primary school teacher, was killed while exercising along the banks of the Grand Canal in Tullamore. And today, 666 days later, Josef Pushka was found guilty of her murder. I'm Frank Graney, courts correspondent for News Talk. And I'm Ashling Moore, radio producer. I've been in court for every minute of the Ashley Murphy murder trial. And this evening, we'll bring you a comprehensive account of what happened in court today, as well as the words of Ashling's family. And while we've been restricted so far in what we can say day to day, now that Josef Pushka has been convicted, we can speak a little bit more freely about this case. This is All Rise, the Ashling Murphy murder trial. Welcome to episode 18, Guilty. After just a couple of hours considering the evidence, Frank, the jurors returned with their unanimous verdict this afternoon. All 12 of them were in agreement that Josef Pushka murdered Ashling, and the judge completely agreed with their decision. The verdict sparked scenes of pure emotion in Court 13 with Ashling's relieved family embracing one another as they finally got the justice they so richly deserve. Afterwards, her brother Cahill and her boyfriend Ryan delivered a powerful statement on the steps of the courthouse and we'll bring you their words a little later. But let's go back to the start of the day, Frank, because the judge had to address the jurors again before they resumed their deliberations this morning. That's right. And for completeness, I suppose, Mr Justice Tony Hunt spent hours directing the jurors uh, yesterday before sending them out to begin their deliberations. And when they returned to court this morning, he told them that he had just a few loose ends to tie up. After going through the ingredients of the offence of murder and after telling the jurors that neither side have asked them to consider the lesser charge of manslaughter, which is an unintentional, unlawful killing, he then spent some time going through the evidence of one of the witnesses, Rostislav Pakusha. You may remember Josef Pushka going to his home in Tullamore uh, on the evening of the 12th of January last year, looking for mm-hmm. a lift back to Mukla. Well, the defence wanted the jurors to be reminded of a particular passage of his cross-examination where he was asked if he noticed Pushka holding his stomach when he called to his house that evening. And Mr Pakusha said, to be honest, I think so. Yes, he was definitely holding something maybe his head or his stomach. Yes, it could be. And in that cross-examination, Michael Bowman, Mr. Pushka's barrister, asked Mr. Pakusha if Pushka looked like he had a pain in his stomach. And the reply he got to that was, oh yes, I think so. Yes, definitely. Now, I couldn't have said this if the jury was still considering the evidence. Um, Obviously, when a trial is live, certain um, reporting restrictions apply for very good reason. And opinions, as we've been at pains to say throughout this, have no Hmm. place when it comes to 
our reportage of a live trial. But now that they have delivered their verdict, now that they have found Yosef Pushka guilty of murder, I think it's fair to say that the defence wants to introduce this evidence to perhaps support Pushka's claim that he'd been stabbed in the stomach three times by the same man who he said um, to the jury only last week murdered Ashling, or at least to introduce that as a reasonable possibility. The jury clearly, given their decision, didn't buy his story, uh, a story that the prosecuting barrister Anne-Marie Lawler so aptly described as a cock and bull story. And the jurors would have been left in no doubt about Pushka's supposed injuries uh, when they looked at the CCTV footage of him going into the apartment or going into his parents' apartment in Crumlin in Dublin later that night. I've seen that footage uh, on several occasions. So too have the jurors. I've no doubt that they would have looked at that um, when they were deliberating and considering this piece of evidence because in that footage, Josef Pushka was moving freely He didn't appear to have any stomach injuries. He certainly didn't look like a man who was the victim of an attack earlier that day and had been stabbed three times in the stomach. And while at his parents' home that night, uh, Ms. Lawler claimed that he stabbed himself in the stomach to support that story that he'd been stabbed uh, in Blanchardstown. And while we don't know for sure if the jury agreed with Ms. Lawler on that, we don't know what took place in the jury room over the couple of hours or so that they consider all of the evidence, we can say with absolute certainty that they didn't believe his story, that he was the victim of an attack himself and that he was trying to help Ashling that day. Uh, he was doing quite the opposite as it turns out. Mr Justice Hunt also reminded the jury of the evidence of Roz Gillen. She was the nurse manager at St James's Hospital who confirmed that if there had been a request to have Yosef Pushka assessed before he was interviewed by Gardaí, that would have been facilitated. Yeah, she said it would have, but she also said that it was a Friday evening, so she didn't know if it um, could have been facilitated. Um, But again, this was all smoke and mirrors on Pushka's part. He tried unsuccessfully to have the confession evidence thrown out. And this this is what this was all about. Um, You know, he claimed that he didn't remember telling the detectives from the investigation team that he was the murderer. And the defence claimed that his painkiller medication, together with other factors like the fact that he found himself in an unfamiliar environment, the fact that he didn't speak the language, the fact that he was just after surgery and that can have its own effects. The defence claimed that all of that could have affected his state of mind and his fitness to be um, assessed for interview. But that was never really in doubt when Professor Michael Ryan, the prosecution's expert, said there was no way that Pushka's mood or behaviour could have been affected by the amount of oxycodone, the painkiller uh, that was in his, in his system at the time, uh, 8.25 milligrams maximum. That's all that would have been in his system and it wouldn't have had that effect on him, certainly would have, wouldn't have prompted him to confess to a murder that he hadn't committed. So once the judge then um, tied up those loose ends, the jurors were then sent out uh, to resume their deliberations. And the judge told them uh, that he didn't want to keep bringing them back if they wanted to take breaks and things like that. They were free to do so if anybody wanted to go for a smoke or somebody wanted to go and get some fresh air. That's all fine. They just needed to record all of that so they could keep a track on how long they had been deliberating for. And before they went out uh, this morning, um, he just told them that he didn't want to see them again unless they have a request for him or a verdict. And he didn't have to wait very long for that knock on the door. After the jurors had their lunch, word filtered through the building that a verdict was imminent. 
That's right. Um, I hadn't actually left the courtroom. Um, sometimes, you know, when deliberations get underway, you'll find uh, the press moving about the building or perhaps getting some work down, done in the um, media room on the ground floor. This trial took place on the fourth floor in course 13. But I and all of my colleagues on the press bench decided to stay in the courtroom uh, simply because of the premium uh, on a seat in the press bench. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine a lot of journalists there again, uh, again today. And um, space on that press bench um, was was lacking. Um, I was seated quite close to the dock. I wanted to remain there uh, for the verdict. Um, and I couldn't believe it when the jury minder came back in to tell the court or to tell the registrar uh, that there was a verdict. They'd only been deliberating for a few hours at this point, um, about two hours. So I second guessed what I had heard when the jury minder came back into the court and asked the registrar if a verdict was in fact on the way. He gave me a big thumbs up. Um, he was on the phone uh, requesting all parties to come back to court immediately. That was at five past two this afternoon. Um, Ashley's family filed back into the court about a minute or so later. Her boyfriend, Ryan, uh, her sister, Amy, uh, they were first in the door followed closely by uh, her brother Cahill and parents, Catherine and Ray, a few minutes later. Catherine, I noticed when she came back into court, was holding this beautiful uh, framed photograph of Ashling in her hands. And one thing that struck me about it was that obviously there has been an awful lot of coverage about what happened to Ashling and the trial itself. And you see the same couple of photographs being circulated in that coverage. Um, And this one was different. I hadn't seen this one before. So it was actually lovely to see this fresh photograph of Ashling and it was in this beautiful frame, as as I say, and you could just see that big, bright, beautiful smile of hers beaming out of of the frame of that photograph. It was was really lovely. And Kathleen held on to that as the jury uh, was called for. Yosef Pushka then brought back into court. He had been in a holding cell um, awaiting this moment. Um, he came back into the court flanked by four prison officers. I noticed he scanned the room for a familiar face. That was a very busy courtroom, as you can imagine. Um, he eventually found his family uh, seated at the back of the courtroom, as they have been throughout this entire trial. And there was then a painful um, 10 minute wait for the interpreter to get to court. Um, she dashed in uh, almost out of breath, ran into the dock as soon as she arrived to translate everything for Mr. Pushka. The judge then, Mr. Justice Tony Hunt, returned to his perch at the top of the courtroom shortly afterwards, clearly sensing the nervous tension in the air. He said that he wanted silence, whatever the outcome was. The court was absolutely packed at this point, bursting at the seams. So too was the overflow court a few doors down where people gathered to watch the live video link um, into court 13. And as busy as the main court was, you could hear every step of the jurors as they shuffled back into their seats and composed themselves for what was to come. Of course, they knew at this point what was to come. We and everybody else in the court would have to wait a little bit longer. And I noticed at this point, as they got comfortable in their seats, that Kathleen um, squeezed the picture of her daughter, Ashling, a little bit tighter. That was 17 minutes past two when the jury four person handed over the issue paper to the juror. The issue paper um, has the juror's decision on it. It is signed by the four person and handed over to the registrar, who then asked him to answer yes or no to the following question. Have you reached a verdict upon which all 12 of you 
have agreed. Yes, was the answer. Mark, the registrar, then read out their verdict. You say the accused is guilty of the murder of Ashling Murphy. Guilty. A word her family had been waiting almost 22 long months to hear. They burst into tears, uh, clearly swept away and totally overcome by the emotion of it all. The relief etched across all of their faces because despite how compelling the case was against Josef Pushka, and it was compelling. In fact, I was surprised it even went to trial. But he did plead not guilty and was entitled to contest it, given the fact that you had his DNA evidence under Ashley's fingernails. You had him spotted in or around the scene where she was killed, following women on his bicycle around Tullamore. He didn't know Ashley Murphy. He didn't know any of the women that he was following that day. It was purely predator-like. Uh, murderous intent was how it was described by uh, the prosecution. Um, and then you had the confession. Words from his own mouth in hospital two days later. I did it. I murdered. I am the murderer. A confession. And despite all of that, he still contested the charge. And even when the jury go went out, there was still that element of what if? What if they yeah. don't see the things that we've seen? What if they don't look at the evidence in the same way? But I think when they came back so soon, again, after just two hours or so, you kind of felt that this was going to be the verdict that the family had been waiting for. And they embraced, they sobbed, they even smiled, a smile for Ashling and mm. I mean, you and I have been covering this case extensively since day one, and God knows there haven't been many reasons to smile day to day, but they did. They cracked a little smile for Ashling, and boy, did they deserve that because these past few weeks have been an absolute nightmare for them. Kathleen held that photograph of Ashling up high for all to see, and she and Amy, I noticed, enjoyed a big, long hug. Uh, justice for Ashling at last. Pushka, on the other hand, bowed his head as soon as he heard the verdict, uh, which was translated for him, wasn't it, Frank? Yeah, it was. It actually took a moment for it to dawn on on Josef Pushka what had happened. Um, it had to be translated. It didn't take very long now, mind you, but mm -hmm. that split second where everybody in the courtroom seemed to know apart from Josef Pushka. And then, as you say, he bowed his head and um, rarely raised his gaze from from there on in. Yeah. His family, on the other hand, reacted angrily to the decision. His mm. father, clearly upset, shouted in Slovak. Justice Hunt then, he thanked the jury for their diligence and hard work throughout this really difficult trial. And he described the case as straightforward and told them their prompt verdict reflected how straightforward the case was. And he also told them that he agreed with their decision. Yeah, he did. He he left them in absolutely no uncertain terms that it was the correct verdict. He said that he agreed with it. He had no hesitation in saying that. He was satisfied that it was the correct verdict. And he actually said that he was glad that they hadn't wasted any more time with Pushka's nonsense, because that's what it was, nonsense. And he said um, the fact and the way that he has run his case, he said, should be pointed out that it's no reflection um, on his defence team. He said, you know, everyone is entitled to put forward a defence and that is true. And he said it's a really difficult job defending these cases. It's thankless, it's unpopular, but everybody is entitled to a defence. He said even people like Josef Pushka are entitled to a defence. 
but he said you can't make wicks without straw, which is a saying I hadn't heard before, but it was an interesting no. one. And it was a reference to, I suppose, what Michael Bowman as his defense barrister had to deal with, because he said in his hands was very poor stuff indeed. And he also said um, quite starkly that literally the jurors had made sure that Yosef Pushka had not got away with murder. And he was so impressed by their work, the way that they applied themselves throughout so diligently they were so attentive throughout what was a very, very difficult trial for them to sit through. Um, he decided to relieve them of jury duty, if they so wish, for the next 20 years. And he thanked them for their service. And as the jurors filed out of the courtroom, there was a round of applause as Kathleen again held Ashley's photograph up for the jurors to see. She then turned it so that everyone in the court could get a good look at it. Uh, there she was. Uh, front and centre, as she should be. Outside court, then Ashling's boyfriend, Ryan, and her brother, Carl, said a few words in front of the gathered media. They did, and that is not an easy thing to do. Uh, they deserve great credit for doing it because, as you can imagine, there was a huge media presence there uh, today. There has been a lot of media attention on this case uh, throughout, but the numbers seemed to swell um, on the press bench again today. They were greeted when they walked outside the courthouse. They were greeted by a bank of microphones, a sea of photographers, camera crews, flashes, um, reporters. Um, they were all outside uh, waiting for them. And they didn't have to say anything to the gathered media. They were under absolutely no pressure to do so, but they chose to. Um, they wanted to, and they really, really did um, Ashling justice. She'd be so proud of them. Amy was there too, uh, not far behind, there to support them. Uh, so too were uh, Kathleen and Ray and the wider family of friends, as were um, a number of Gardaí, um, Detective Garda Alan Burke and Sergeant Lucy McLaughlin, um, the Garda liaison officers who have been brilliant um, with the family throughout all of this, um, sheltering them and protecting them from, from everything. And the Gardaí, as is often the case when it comes to these things, they're often the unsung heroes. You know, this was an incredible effort by Angarda Shiakana. Yes, you know, mistakes were made along the way. There was a man arrested at the very beginning of this investigation and the jurors were told all about, you know, the wrong person being pulled out of an ID parade and whatnot. But at the end of the day, this was an enormous investigation. The eyes of the country were on Tullamore Garda Station. In fact, more than that, the eyes of the world were on Tullamore Garda Station because what happened to Ashley Murphy in January of last year attracted international attention. The lead investigators, Detective Superintendent Pat O'Callaghan, Detective Inspector Brian Farrell, Garda David Harney, who had the unenviable task of working with those 25,000 odd hours of CCTV footage oh, yeah, and distilling the CCTV, them. Yeah. Absolutely incredible body of work to distill that much footage into um, something that the jury could access easily through that compilation. He did have a, a team of about 10 officers working with him in Tullamore, but that was quickly whittled down to just him and one other colleague. So that's a remarkable piece of work from him. Detective Sergeant David Scahill, the Gardaí who went to St. James's Hospital and spoke with Yosef Pushka. Um, Detective Sergeant Brian Jennings, Sergeant Pamela Nugent, Detective Garda Fergus Hogan. 
the first responders, the paramedics and the Gardaí, the two Gardaí that were the first um, at the scene, Garda Tom Dunn and Garda Shane Hunter. And we heard about their efforts to um, resuscitate Ashling Murphy. Very distressing for those two Garda and for all of those who arrived at the scene in the immediate aftermath. And the Garda, and I've, I've, I've left out so many that gave evidence during this trial, but you could see them just kind of exit stage left quietly and let the family take take the um take the the front stage and i thought that was um you know very humble obviously they've done incredible incredible work um and when it comes to i suppose the statement that was then made by um the family uh, ryan spoke first ashling's boyfriend and he began by by talking about the outpouring of love that they felt from people near and far uh, since that tragic cold january afternoon and we have a clip of Ryan speaking outside the Central Criminal Court after Yosef Pushka was found guilty of the murder of his girlfriend. So let's have a listen to what he had to say. At this moment in time, and on behalf of the Murphy family, I would like to take this opportunity to express our deep gratitude to all of our family, friends and community for their unwavering support since our Ashley was stolen from us 22 months ago on the 12th of January 2022. From day one, the outpouring of love and support was felt in abundance from the Irish people, both on a national and international level, as they stood in solidarity with our family to both mourn the loss of our beautiful, talented Ashley and to condemn gender-based brutality with visceral repulsion. Ashley was a vibrant, intelligent and highly motivated young woman who embodied so many great traits and qualities of the Irish people and its communities. Her life had a huge impact on so many of those around her and she was the epitome of a perfect role model for every little girl to look up to and strive to be. She was not only an integral part of our family but she was also a huge shining light in our community, a community in which year in year out she gave back to as best she could. Words cannot express the gratitude to all members of Angarda Shiakana who conducted and pieced together a robust and thorough investigation. We wish to formally thank the prosecution legal team, Justice Hunt, and also our family liaison officers, Sergeant Lucy McLaughlin and Detective Garda Alan Burke. We'd like to also thank the victim support at court team, who were always there for us, always waiting to help us at any given moment. God, a very, very difficult thing for him to do today. But like you say, Frank, I think doing Ashling proud um, with what he did there, that's not an easy thing to do. And then followed by her big brother, Cahill, um, he spoke next on behalf of the family and he began by thanking the nine men and the three women of the jury. We would like to also thank the members of the jury for reaching this verdict. Sitting through the harrowing evidence of this trial was not an easy task and we'll be forever grateful for their patience and resilience throughout this incredibly difficult process. Ashling was subject to incomprehensible violence by a predator who was not known to her. While we do not glory in any conviction, we recognise the importance of holding accountable those who would commit such terrible atrocities. The judicial process cannot bring our darling Ashling back, nor can it heal our words, our wounds. But we are relieved that this verdict delivers justice. It is simply imperative that this vicious monster can never harm another woman again. While we respect the role of the media in providing accurate updates and information for the public, we are asking here now that all media outlets please, please respect our privacy at this time 
as we continue to process and grieve the loss of our darling Ashling. Thank you. just incredible the two of them uh, to be able to do that today I can't imagine what that was like for them but fair play to them um, they were great they really were that's, oh, that's not, not easy and a lot of people the end choose of the not last to for weeks. obvious reasons yeah, yeah. In incredible yeah. they deserve huge credit as you say yeah the only thing left to do in terms of the trial process now is to sentence Yosef Pushka that's all that's left to do and it's one size fits all when it comes to murder. Um, Mr Justice Tony Hunt has absolutely no discretion when it comes to the punishment that he will eventually hand down um, to Mr Pushka on the 17th of this month, which is tomorrow week, next Friday. Um, it's a mandatory life sentence for murder. That's what he's now facing. And the family will then obviously be given an opportunity, if they so wish, to address the court through a victim impact statements they can be provided and Mr. Justice Hunt today said that he hoped that they do. And this was interesting because as Anne-Marie Lawler, the prosecuting barrister, put it right back at the very beginning of this trial, she told the jurors, and this was a curious thing to say, but it makes total sense. She told the jurors that they wouldn't actually hear an awful lot about Ashling Murphy, because at the end of the day, when you think about it, you know, the jury isn't concerned with the life that she led or the life that she hoped to lead if you know, Yosef Pushka hadn't taken it in such violent circumstances. All a jury is concerned about is how a person died and who is responsible. So aside from little bits of information, like the fact that she was 23 years of age, she was a primary school teacher, she was out exercising along the canal that afternoon, you know, the jury and and, and all of us wouldn't have learned an awful lot about, about Ashling, And that happens. I mean, at trials, it can be such a one-dimensional view that people have of a victim. They become like almost like a piece of evidence in a case. And that's very difficult for families um, to hear and to learn. You know, this is their loved one, Ashling. You know, she's gone and she's been taken by this man. And you hear the post-mortem evidence and it's so cold and it's so clinical. And again, it just feels like a victim is a piece of evidence when Ashley Murphy, you know, at such a young age um, had and was so much more than that. And that's the point that the judge was was trying to make, that he did make, you know, that for the Murphys, um, this case would have been particularly difficult for them uh, because of the enormous focus on it. Obviously, he said that was understandable. And the reason, in his view, that we were all there and that there was all such that there was such focus on it was because of the type of person that Ashling was. You know, again, we just learned these little trinkets um, about her through the evidence. She was wearing a GAA top, her local club, Kilcormac Kalahi. She loved camogie. She loved sports. She loved the GAA community. And, you know, Mr. Hunt, Mr. Justice Hunt said, GA is very important in terms of the good things in our community. And that was something that was obviously very important to Ashling. She was a primary school teacher. She obviously loved kids. She loved teaching kids. And, you know, obviously approaching this case as a court reporter day to day, you have to stop yourself and, 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 and really stop yourself from getting swept away in, in all of that because you have to be impartial all the time. But, you know, from the very little that I know about Ashley Murphy, I think the thing that really resonates with me is that you know, we all know in Ashley Murphy, you know, she 
is, you know, a sister, um, a girlfriend, a friend, a daughter, a teacher. You know, she's all of those things. And I think people were really drawn to her as a result of that. I think that's why people became so engaged. So, yeah, that will be a very difficult um, part of the process for Ashley's family, for her parents, for her sister Amy, her brother Carl, for her boyfriend Ryan, and for the many other family members who attend a court every every day. That sentence hearing will 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 bring back everything again. But but hopefully, I know this may seem stra- strange to say, but hopefully in a more positive light that they'll be given an opportunity to tell mm-hmm. the world how much Ashley meant to them, how much they miss her, and how much they've been affected by what a complete stranger to her has done to them and their lives. I think it's nice that from here on in, Frank, after 17 episodes of this podcast, we can now finally turn our attention Mm -hmm. back to where it belongs, which is to Ashling. Yeah. And so that's it for episode 18 of All Rise, the Ashling Murphy murder trial. Tomorrow, we're going to bring you an episode uh, about what the jurors didn't hear during this trial, all of the elements that we couldn't talk about on the podcast up until now. That's right. And we'll be joined by uh, a couple of other journalists who covered the trial day to day. And again, we'll be able to speak more freely about the evidence that has been heard over the past few weeks. But it is really important, as you say, to just be mindful that now at this point, the shackles are off and we can focus an awful lot more on on Ashling, And and that's the most important thing. I'm Frank Graney. Courts correspondent for News Talk, and I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. And make sure that you follow All Rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial for further episodes, including, of course, next week's sentencing of Yosef Pushka. All Rise, the Ashley Murphy murder trial was hosted by Frank Graney and Ashley Moore, with sound design by Lachlan Hart. Follow the podcast on Newstalk.com on the Newstalk app, powered by Go Loud, or wherever you get your podcasts.